Scripture says this, 1 Peter 4, 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share the sufferings of Christ, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glory, glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if, righteous, if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Today I'm going to talk to you about a subject I've probably never heard talked about. At least not in this way. We're going to talk about temptations and trials. You know, last week when we had folks baptized, and I've been teaching on experiencing the gospel, being baptized, and being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and how that brings new life to you. Well, the reality is that that new life is real, and that new life is freedom, and that new life is recreative, but, but that doesn't just happen in a bubble. You know, when we become Christians, remember when you first became a Christian, when you first received Christ or received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it seemed like, you know, the blues were bluer and the greens were greener. And, and, you know, the purples, my goodness, right? I mean, everything looked different. But the thing is, is that when you became a child of the king, you left your citizenship to this world. And in doing so, you in a very real way declared war on the enemy. For anyone who just believes that Christianity, you know, it's just supposed to be easy, it's all just going to be, you know, you're pie in the sky and by and by, right? You just, you, you, you receive Christ and all of a sudden the blessings of the Lord are going to be upon you. And oh, you know, God, God's going to just shower you with all this stuff. And that does come. But it doesn't come without other things coming too. And, and the reality is that we need to understand we need a good understanding of what trials and temptations are going to be doing in your life. So many times we, we are, are looking at those things and we have this view that, that, well, if God was really for me, this wouldn't be going on. But that's not the case. I want to say this early, and I'll probably say it again. But you need to hear this clearly. God is more concerned with your character than your charisma. He is more concerned with your, your faithfulness than just simply your 
abilities or gifts or, or your, even your blessing. God wants to shape you and mold you. And, and what's awesome about God, and I've said this here before, and, but I love this saying. It came to me one day, and I was sitting there, and I don't gamble, and I don't play cards much. Um, we play like Uno. Does that count? Um, anyway, you know, I said this once preaching, and it stuck with me because it just, to me, it, like a light bulb turned on. God can take any hand you deal him and win with it. He can take any situation and make it a winning hand. The question, the wild card, folks, is us. What are we going to do when we're facing temptation and trial? You know, I heard it said once that as a Christian, you are either in a trial, or you're coming out of a trial, or you're going into a trial. <laughs> it's a... Uh, It's a cyclic thing because the reality is that you are in a war. And there is a fight going on. But God will win with any hand you're dealt if you allow him to. In a very real way, folks, when you became a Christian, you became like a Navy SEAL behind enemy lines. I've had several friends that have been part of of the Navy SEALs teams. Um... They can't talk too much about their stories because they're all classified. But this is what I do know. I know that they get dropped from several thousand feet up in the air. They do a high altitude, low opening shoot. They land in usually water, swim to their destination, and go behind enemy lines to extract people who sometimes are captive. People who... Are, are, are people that, that may be Americans or may be uh, people of importance in other countries who may be captured, and they go in to rescue what is bound by an enemy. And we have got to begin to understand who we are. This is not a country club for the Christian. This is a war zone. This is a battlefield, and we are looking for warriors. Amen. This is not just something where, you know, you just come on Sunday and and just get your blessing. I want you blessed, and I want you here on Sundays, but I want you equipped so you can go out on Monday and tear the devil's kingdom up. That's the purpose of the church. And we have got to choose to address the world on this way. You are on a mission, and you are one bad dude. Or chick. But we need to respond to our calling and to life so that we can grow and become who we're supposed to be. Temptation and trial is a huge theme in First Peter. It's talked about in every chapter, literally. First Peter uh, 1, 6 through 9, chapter 2, verses 20 through 25, chapter 3. Verses 8 through 12, chapter 4, 12 through 19, and chapter 5, 9 through 11. We need to understand, 1 Peter was written to a church that was under persecution. He was writing to the people to inform them of something that maybe they didn't know. Something that maybe we don't know in this room. 
And that is that we are foreigners. We're travelers in this world. What's awesome, Pastor Vandekirk is here with us today. He would officially be a foreigner of the United States of America. He's, he's not a citizen here. But we are foreigners in this world. We are children of the king. We have inside of us the kingdom of God. We have, in a very real way, we live in rebellion to the world and all of the things that it offers. All the temptations and all the sin and all those things, we rebel against that because we live righteously. We live and devote ourselves to God. We, we pray and we study and we fast and we do these things because they change the world. Prayer, folks, is the ultimate act of rebellion. It says, I don't accept things the way that they are. I am going to the king to change something. That's why when I go to pray, I'll wake up sometimes. Anyone just wake up dead in the morning? I sometimes listen there with my coffee. I'm drooling all over myself just about. Not really. But that's the way I feel. I'm like, oh, God. But I, I'll tell the Lord. I'll go and I'll, I'll sit in my prayer spot. Got my coffee. I'll be like, first thing, Lord Jesus, thank you for hot coffee. I love the Lord and I love warm coffee in the morning. But after I say that, usually I'll say this. I'll say, God. I have come here to be with you to change the world. We must understand that we've got to approach our lives in that way. And we need to see that when God allows, or when you end up in a fight, because there's two different elements we're going to talk about today. There is trial, which God may allow And then there's temptation, which God does not allow, but the enemy just comes. But no matter where you find yourself, we need to see that that is an opportunity that God has dealt us to allow us to take a step forward into more of who we are and what we're called to. And when we see it for less than that, then we will forever fight against things that are meant to grow us. We are foreigners, and we need to understand that. First Peter 2.11 says this, Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. As citizens of God, we are foreigners in this world. And as members of, of the kingdom of heaven... Satan and his forces are going to come and wage war against us. And they are going to try to bring us into sin. And you need to understand this. For everybody that's playing with sin right now, I want you to understand this very clearly. When you allow for sin to win, it it affects your heart. It wages war against your soul. You are literally damaging yourself when you allow for sin to reign in your life. And we need to see sin for what it is. It is an attack of the enemy. We need to understand that when sin comes, it's not your friend. You know, when sin rolls up, it usually looks like a nice little cute little cat or puppy. You just want to pet it. It looks friendly and nice. 
and all of a sudden, like, it rips your leg off. Sin is your enemy. And if you understood really what it was, you'd never go near it. I heard back in Afghanistan, back when uh, the Russians were still in Afghanistan and were still doing warfare there, this is back in the early 80s, that there was uh, one general that was Russian. And what he would do was diabolical. He would, he would literally, they would dump toys in the middle of the road near a city where there were lots of kids. And then what would happen? The kids come running out and they're looking at the toys and they pick them up and they start playing. What they didn't know is that there were bombs in the toys. And literally, they were tear off arms and tear off legs and kids are dying all over the place because they're playing with things that look like they're toys that were really an assault from the enemy. We need to understand that sin wars against our souls. Trials and temptations, they come against us and they're two, I'm going to kind of parse it out just so you know, just so you get... This is more my, my view and, and the view of, of uh, some commentators. But temptation and trial are exactly what they sound like. <laughs> they're times of great difficulty. But they're an opportunity to either allow for sin and darkness to take a hold of your life. Or they're an opportunity to grow in maturity in Christ. Everything that God gives, everything that happens in your life has an opportunity to elevate you. See, God is always setting you up for victory. God is on your side. He's the Almighty. And when God sets you up, He's setting you up to win. You know, I heard that Pastor Glenn's going to be teaching, uh, he's going to be coaching T ball. Pastor Glenn's t- coaching T ball. And, and this is what's going to happen. There's going to Kylie's going to come up to the T-ball set, and he's going to come up and he's going to look at her about how tall she is. And he's going to set that T just about where she'll swing, and he'll put the ball on top, and he'll take her little arms because I know Pastor Glenn, and he'll be like, "Are you ready, honey?" And she'll be like, "I'm ready. I want to cuddle first. <laughs> that was, I want to cuddle first, if you couldn't make that out. <laughs> Kylie said her favorite thing in the world is to cuddle, so I had to throw that in. Anyway, she's the sweetest little thing. But, so he'll take, and he'll, he'll set her up to hit the ball. He will set her up to hit the ball. He won't set her up to fail. He'll set her up to win. And when you come to a trial or you come to a test, you need to understand one thing. God has set you up to win. He's looked at your height. He's set the little post just as high as it could be just so that your little arms will be able to come around with that bat and make contact. God is setting you up for a win. When you are tempted or in trial, you need to understand no matter what it is, he is setting you up for the victory. Now let's define this a little bit. Trials are hard times that generally flow out of life issues. Often they can be persecution of the church by an outside force. 
And usually we as Christians in that situation are passive. We are not active in, in regard to we did something to cause the persecution. We just are Christians and we're being persecuted. That would be what I would call a trial. Whereas a temptation is usually the, the desire to act outside of God's will. And that can be either active, that you put yourself in a spot where you are tempting yourself, or the enemy just comes up and serves you some temptation. Both are examples. Both are examples of things that God wants to use to bring you forward. And the best example of this scripturally is to look at Joseph of the Old Testament. Joseph... When you look at him, he's got a special calling. He's called to literally deliver his family out of starvation. To be literally a savior to them. And his brothers get angry with him. We all know the story. He's got this coat of many colors. He comes out. He's busting his brothers because they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Being what they're supposed to be. Just like a little brother. And just like big brothers, they get angry with him. But they get so angry to the point that they end up selling him as a slave. That he ends up literally being taken to Egypt as a slave. Now, when that happens, folks, that is a trial. Are you following me? Because that's something that's being enacted upon him that he's just receiving. He's just being persecuted because of literally the calling and favor of God on his life. That is a trial. But then Joseph is purchased, and he becomes really successful. And then, then the master's wife thinks he's kind of cute, decides that she'd like to, to uh, know him better, and he ends up fleeing from that temptation. The temptation was to do wrong. That's, that's the other side of the coin. The trial was being sold, but the temptation to do evil came from the temptation to sleep with his master's wife. So Joseph then goes to, to prison wrongfully, which starts a whole other level of trial in his life. But see, this is the thing I want you to look at. Joseph negotiated his way through the trials and the temptations successfully. And what was the end result? It was elevation into the place that God called him to so that, yes, God could receive the glory. And you need to understand this, folks. I need, I need you to get this today. Because if you understand that God is going to take the trials, things that come against you, that you have no reason for getting other than being a Christian, and temptations to sin, to do things that are against God and disobedience, all those things that, that come to you, if you can handle them right, they will be literally the steps that you take to your destiny. But we have got to choose how we're going to respond to them. You've got to choose how you're going to respond to them. Trials often come from your old life. When I, first, <laughs> when I first got the Pentecostal experience, I, um, I was raised in a very conservative Baptist family. Uh, my mom was kind of the black sheep 
of the family, but everybody went to church and they were all, you know, really, they're wonderful people. Never cussed, never swore, never, all the stuff, all the stuff. They were good Baptist folks. They loved Jesus. And then one day, at 24 years old, I go to this Pentecostal church and God fills me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm speaking with tongues and I'm, I'm excited. God's doing crazy stuff. And, and all of my Baptist family got mad at me. Which I was very confused by because I was very much backslidden Baptist kid. <laughs> I'm living for the devil, folks. Way better than living for God when God rescues me. And, and I'm confused. You see... I went into a trial to the point that my uncles, who were both pastors of churches, literally preached against me from the pulpit, using my name, telling my family, now don't you go talk to pastor, don't you talk to David, David's all messed up in that woo Pentecostal stuff. <laughs> it got to the where I would, I would go to family reunions, and, um, and I sit largely by myself. And then if someone came up and talked to me, my cousin Mike came up one time, he's sitting next to me, and my Aunt Ruth came up to me and says, now, don't you, Michael, don't you be talking to David, he'll fill your head with all that Pentecostal stuff. That was a trial. Now, the good news is, God won. And they ended up seeing that, that this thing is real, and this thing changed my life, and they've heard me preach, and God blessed, and all that stuff. And, and that was a trial, though. Came out of my old life. Trials come out of our old lives usually. They can be old boyfriends or girlfriends. It could be mistakes you've made that maybe you're still paying the price for to a point. But those things, those trials, they come out of the old life. Whereas temptation generally comes out of your old self. See, the old life is where the trials might come from. Maybe it's, you know, your family persecuting you or something else. But, but temptation comes out of your old self. Because Scripture says that when we were born again, behold, you know, old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. And we sit here in the new life, and yet there are times that you, you wrestle. Does anyone wrestle with the old self other than me? All right, you guys aren't making me feel better. Whether you raise your hand or not, I know you do. And um, the old self, the old self, he dies hard. You know, Scripture talks about us becoming living sacrifices. The problem with the living sacrifice is he's always trying to get off the altar and run. It's easy if it's a dead sacrifice. You just do what you want with it. It's the living sacrifice that's the problem. And we wrestle with that old self. We wrestle with the things that maybe are generational. Or the things that, that are part of our personal history. Seeds of sin and darkness that were planted in our spirits early. But understand this. Unlike trials, temptation will always originate inside of ourselves. Temptation may be stirred up by the enemy, but it's conceived in us. Temptation is never from God. James 1, 13 through 16 says this. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. 
But each person is tempted, hear this, when he's lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it has conceived, brings to birth sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. You see, it's when we move from God, it's when we move away from God, that temptation can come and become conceived. It's not sin, folks, until you conceive it. It's when it gets into your heart as a desire, that's when you start to act. It's okay, just understand, here, some of you have been been beat up for years with temptation. And and you feel like you can't get the victory over temptation. You probably never will quite get the victory over temptation, but you can get the victory over the actions that follow. Don't let that conceive. When you hear the enemy come with a temptation, rebuke that thing in Jesus' name. Tell it to leave. Because God wants to set you up for victory. 1 Peter 2.11 says this, Dear friends, again, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. We have got to choose, folks. We've got to choose. When going through trial and going through temptation, choose not to sin. It's got to be a choice, and it is just that. Now, trials and temptations are both tests. I want you to hear this. Why? Because both test your obedience to God. So how do we win this test? How does someone win the test? James 4, 7 says this. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You see, God, in giving us James 4, 7 through 8, he's undoing what James gave us in chapter 1. Remember what James said in chapter 1? He said, let no one say that he's tempted by God. It says that each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desires. And then desire when it's conceived gives birth to sin, and sin when it's fully conceived brings forth death. That's a progression. Temptation comes, which is like the seed. And that gets deposited through conception in your heart. And then that brings forth sin, which then in the end brings forth death. When James then later, two chapters later, says, resist the devil... He's saying, don't allow the seed to be conceived. Don't allow the seed to be planted in your heart. Because if you don't allow that, you are submitting to God. If you want to know how to submit to God, that's it. A lot of us make it like really big. Like, you know, whether, oh, God wants me to be a, a missionary to, you know, the Middle East. You've got like this huge thing like this. Can I tell you that probably you can't get there until you've been obedient and not allowing him to plant the seed? Doesn't mean you're going to win 100% of the time. Nobody bats a thousand in the kingdom of God. But it is a matter of lifestyle. 
that we, we learn obedience just like children. Children learn to, to just roll over, and then they learn to crawl, and then they learn to walk, and then they learn to run. It's, it's a progression. And, and so many times, it's our obedience in the little things that allows for our obedience in the big things. It is as we live a lifestyle of obedience moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, that suddenly God can take those little victories that you've taken, and it's you rolling over, and then it's you crawling, and then it's you walking, and and finally you're able to run. God will take those things and grow you, but you've got to choose at the seed level not to allow it to be conceived in your heart. Is this making sense? You following me? Paul says this amazing statement. He said, God counted me worthy, faithful, setting me in the ministry. You see, Paul's saying this, that he was obedient. And he kept on taking his steps until one day he's called faithful. And God loosed him into his real calling. There are people in this room right now, you've got real calls of God on your life. God's calling you to be people of power in prayer, power in witness, people who are going to literally change the environment in their workplaces and in their schools, and maybe even in the mission field, or maybe even behind some pulpit somewhere, but but this is the thing. You've got to gain the strength it takes to get there. And God, God's farm system, God's training program is to bring you from step to step to step to step. And we start by just simple obedience. There are people in this room right now that you have never yet seen your dreams come true. And part of it has been because of how you've handled trial and temptation. See, but this is the good news. You're learning today. You're going to find out how to move forward. Again, James gives us the undo. Resist the devil. Submit to God. And the devil will flee. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And the devil will flee. It's not that hard. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. I had a friend who, um, he was just a brand new Christian, and he went over to a friend's house, and, and uh, there was a girl there that uh, he used to know, and she was very interested in getting to know him again, let's just say. And, uh, and he had just been baptized in the Holy Ghost, I don't know, I guess at that time he was probably a year or too old in, in, in the spirit. And, and uh, this girl was being very aggressive in her desire to get to know him again. And so he said, I'll be back. And he went and excused himself to the bathroom. And he didn't have to go to the bathroom. He told me, he said, uh, I went in there and I said, I rebuke the spirit of lust in Jesus' name. Not bind it. And he walked back up there and she was as cordial as you could be. Just staying on her side of the, the house. You see, that man that day decided to resist the devil at the seed form. 
He resisted submitting to God and the devil had to go. You always, folks, have a means to victory. You just have to use it. You just have to use it. So God will use these things as opportunities for you. Even if the devil comes knocking, God didn't cause it. And sometimes he gets in because we didn't pray that day. Sometimes we didn't pray about stuff, whatever. Sometimes he just comes because he's the devil and he's good at it. But see, we have got to choose to draw near to God and allow for his life to come. God allows temptations and trials for this simple reason. Folks, our free will is the door that opens up to particularly temptation and how we handle trial. God has never stopped the enemy from tempting anybody. He hasn't. Now, we do pray in the Lord's Prayer. My daughters and I prayed this the other day, you know. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We do pray those prayers, and God does answer those prayers. But I've never had a day. Has anyone ever had a day that you didn't just get tempted by something, whether you prayed it or not? Uh, Anybody? I've never had a day that he just didn't show up and go, hey, how about you? (laughs) No. It's like a preacher I heard once say, he said, he woke up in the morning and the devil looked at him and said, I've been waiting for you to get up. Sometimes it's just that way. Devil just shows up. See, but God, God allows you to choose your response. We need to run from temptation. 2 Timothy 2.20 says, or 2.22 says, flee youthful lusts. When it comes to temptation, folks, especially young people, run. And I don't mean just, I don't mean that figuratively. It's like my buddy, excuse yourself to the bathroom and pray. Run. Run from youthful lusts. Because that is how you, that's how you stay pure in temptation. You run from it. See, but when it comes to trial, and I want you to hear this, when it comes to trial, we stand. Ephesians 6, 12 through 13 says, when you have done all to stand, stand therefore. Do not, hear me, this is important. This may be the most important statement I make today. Do not run from your trials. Run from your temptations, not from your trials. Because there are times in your life that God is trying to use a trial to take you somewhere that maybe you'd never go. And if you don't stand in your trial, you'll never see what God really wants to bring to it. It's like the church. We read in, in like Acts, the, book, the first say, uh, eight, ten, ten chapters of the book of Acts is filled with persecution of the church. But what's wild is we read in Acts chapter 7 that the church in Jerusalem is under terrible, terrible trial and persecution. But it's because of that in Acts chapter 8 that Philip goes to Samaria and the Samaritans hear the gospel preached. 
And then it's in that same chapter that because Philip has been kicked out of Jerusalem because of a trial, because of a, of a persecution that's come, it pushes him to go reach an Ethiopian. We've got to understand that there are things that trials bring that if we will follow faithfully to the Lord and his will, it will take you places that you could never go otherwise. Before Acts chapter 8, Philip is just a guy who's serving widows and making sure they're fed. But all of a sudden, Acts chapter 8, he becomes an evangelist. And when we read about him later in scriptures, it talks about Philip and his daughters. Philip the evangelist and his daughters who were prophetesses. You see, the trial, folks, was the mechanism that God used to kick Philip into his ministry. And there are things you're going through right now. That if you handle rightly and you allow God to build you up through it and to direct you through it, it will lead you into places that you are called to. But too many times we want to run from what we're supposed to stand in. I'm going to tell you that there's times, folks, (laughs) And this is not a popular thing. And there's people in this room who are going to disagree with me, but it's Scripture. Sorry. There are times that you suffer in the will of God. 1 Peter 4.19 says, let, Therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator. Sometimes, folks, We've got this such a lollipop dream of who God is sometimes. He's a father. And I know that we're in a mess because so many of us in this room never had dads. We don't know what it's like to have a father. To have a father who's going to come and correct you and make you grow and become the man you're supposed to be or the woman you're supposed to be. But I'll tell you this. I love these girls. These are my babies. And I never do anything to hurt them, but you better believe I correct them. And you better believe that I put things in front of them at times that stress them and make them work to make them better so that they can step into who they're created to be. How can we expect less from God? This last week, this church lost a sister. Maria Pickett passed away. Cancer. We had tons of people go over there and pray for her. She died anyway. I don't understand it. I've prayed for folks on life support. That three hours later, I get a phone call that they're sitting up, eating solid food. After they had just disconnected all the tubes, said they were going to die. God healed. I've been in places where cancers have fallen off, folks, and all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and yet, I've still prayed for more folks that died than have been healed. I don't understand. 
I don't know why Maria died, but I know this. I know that in this situation right now, with where we are as a body of Christ right now, that we can take the trial of of Maria's passing and we can either doubt God and fail him more or we can trust God and say, okay, I don't understand it, but I'm going to pray for healing anyway. You may not heal everybody, but you'll heal some. And it's not up to me, hear me, it's not up to me and it's not even up to you all the time. Whether or not you get the prayer of, of faith prayed over you. I've seen, there was, there was people who we prayed for that got healed of cancer that died three months later of a heart attack. Sometimes, honey, it's just time for you to go. No matter what your age is. But how you respond the living, how we respond will determine where we go in the spirit. It will determine what is written in the next chapter. Because we can either choose to just doubt God and say, well, God didn't heal her. I guess God just doesn't want to heal. Or we can say, you know what? I don't know why, but Maria, maybe she had just had to go. Maybe this was just her time. I don't understand. She testified here months ago about being healed of breast cancer. It was gone. And she ends up with brain cancer. This I know. He is a healer. And if we trust him past our circumstances, God will do the impossible for us. Maybe not right then, but if we just keep building, we will end up in the place where God called us to. But we have got to choose to step out in faith. We have got to choose to trust him no matter what it looks like. We've got to choose it. It's a choice. How you respond to your trial determines what you get from your trial. We've got to choose to win. You know what's cool? This book is true whether or not you believe it. It stood the test of time. Millions of people have tried to disprove it. There have been people who... Voltaire said that by the, by the next century, he was in the 1800s, by the next century, the Bible will be extinct. Did you know that today in France, Voltaire's old house is used as a print location for Bibles? God said, oh, really? We'll just set up shop right there. See, God's word is bigger than us. And so when you grab a word, when God gives you a word, when God gives you a word, you've got to hold it. You've got to believe it. You've got to choose it above your circumstance because your trial or your temptation, folks, isn't, isn't telling the word what it's worth. But if you grab hold of the book and you grab hold of the God that it reveals— then that temptation and that trial will take you places you could never go without it. I'm wrapping up and the band's going to come. I want to just tell you a little story. 2007. <laughs> Denise and I are 
I'm finishing up a master's degree at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Chicago, and we're praying about what we're going to do next. And I'm feeling like maybe we're supposed to go back to Ohio and start a church. And she's like, well, we're going to have a sure word from God before we do anything. And so we fasted and prayed for a week. On the eighth day, we had broken after seven. The eighth day, we get a phone call from our old landlady in Columbus, Ohio. And she said, do you want the house back? We said, uh, maybe. She said, well, if you want it back, it's available to you. And she said, you can only move in. <laughs> you have to move in on August 7th, which is how many know it's just a weird time to move in, Right? What's amazing is, is that was the exact day that our lease at our previous place ran out. Wow. We knew, we knew, we knew that we were supposed to go to Upper Arlington, Ohio and plant a church. And we went there in the full confidence of the Lord. God's going to move. It's going to be powerful. We saw awesome things happen. I mean, we went to the public pool one day and there's a baby who's turning blue and dying. And they call for a doctor. So, of course, I stood up. I don't understand it either. But I run to, to the lifeguard station, and I said, what's going on? They said, this baby's, we don't know what's going on. The baby's literally turning blue and convulsing. And I asked all the questions, was it near the water, you know, nothing. And I put my hand on that baby. I said, give me the baby. And they put that baby in my arms, and I said, in Jesus' name, and then a real doctor came in. They took the baby out of my arms. But that baby, after I said in Jesus' name, coughed three times and started crying. God healed that baby. And people came up to me afterward at the pool. We were by the softball diamond, my wife and I and two friends. And this guy comes up out of nowhere. He goes, were you the guy that healed the baby? I said, I don't heal anybody. Jesus healed that baby. So we go to Upper Arlington, Ohio, and we're expecting God to move. And we're going to have this huge, awesome church that's going to be in the middle, right near Ohio State. And all God's going to do powerful things. We saw about 50 people saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. But the church, it never quite got there. And it was hard. Denise and I went into incredible levels of debt trying to make that church work and lived on student loans and stupid stuff, all the things they tell you not to do <laughs> because we were, we were just believing that if, if we just wait long enough, we're just keep on plugging. God's going God's to grow this church until he shut all the doors and told us to move to Connecticut. But see, we were faithful we were faithful to do what God said. And when, when what God said looked like it didn't work, we stayed faithful anyway. And we went out into a, a situation in Connecticut that was its own set of trials. But see, in the end, six months ago, God called us here. And this church is beginning to bring a level of healing into this community that it's not known for a while. There's people in this congregation who are getting healed and there's people in this congregation who are being filled and there's people getting saved and people are being transformed. And it's not about me, but it is about him. 
I'm nothing. But I am his. It's how we come to our temptations and trials that determine the harvest we'll reap from it. Harvest of destruction, sin, darkness, or, just, or, or a harvest of hope and of the realization of God's dreams for our lives. What are you facing today? What temptation or trial is knocking on your door or living in your living room? How are you handling it? Are you running from your temptation or are you running to it? Are you trusting God in the midst of the trial or are you doubting him because it's not as easy as you thought it would be? Because how we respond, folks, I'm telling you right now, God's about to break out in this church. We're about to go some places that you either haven't been for a long time or you've never been. But God needs you to choose to allow him to grow you in the midst of your temptation and your trial. You alone, though, hear me, you alone are going to choose it. Are you going to be faithful? Are you going to trust him when it looks like he's wrong? When it looks like he's led you into a a dead end? Are you going to trust him anyway? Be like David. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. It's how we respond. Right now, if you're going through a trial, even if you're not, if you're just coming out of a trial and you're rejoicing, praise God. If you're in a trial, praise God. If you're about to go in a trial, praise God. Because God is going to grow you. He's going to make you who you're called to be. Today as we stand, if you feel like you need to pray, I'm going to pray for you first. But I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to encourage you. Respond to God. Allow him to take you where it is he's dreaming of you going. Because if you do, if you do, honey, we're going to have a party. Because you'll have reached your destiny in him. And that's where it gets real fun. It's not that trials and temptations end but you're living in a different place. Let's pray.